So we're in this series called Rumors, and I'm always amazed at how people believe the rumors that they hear. For instance, there is a rumor that there is a Bigfoot in the woods. Let me see, how many of y'all believe in the Bigfoot or the Sasquatch? Yeah, all right, we got some takers this morning. Um, I'll tell you what, I don't, I don't know if it's true or not, but I've been to Oregon, and I'll tell you what, there are maps and signs and like everything about Bigfoot around there. So even I'm like, I don't know if it's true. But it always, it always amazes me how many people believe in those things. For instance, I, I did a little research this week, and I don't know if you're, y'all are aware of this, but do y'all know that there's an entire TV show dedicated to finding Bigfoot? How many of y'all, do y'all know that? Did y'all know that? How many of y'all have seen it? Have y'all seen that? It's, it's called Finding Bigfoot. Uh, it's on the Discovery Channel. And get this, it's been on for 12 seasons. A hundred episodes, okay? And I'm guessing they haven't found them because if they did, they'd have to change the t- title to Found Bigfoot. And that's an episode I'd watch, and you would too, right? But it amazes me, like, that these people, right, they, they're, they're in search for the truth about a rumor that we've all heard about some creature that lives in the woods. Like, are they crazy? Maybe. But it just goes to prove how much we want to know the truth, right? When we don't understand, we keep asking the questions, and we want to find out if a rumor is true or not. So back to the series, back to the series that we're in on rumors. I've said that there are certain rumors that people attribute to God. Okay, there are certain things that we've all heard in this room that people say are in the Bible that, that kind of leaves us asking questions. And I've been, I've been talking through these rumors to find out if they're true or not. In the first week, first week, we looked at this notion that God just wants you happy, right? Doesn't matter what you do. You know, it, it, as long as you're happy... That's what God cares about. And we talked about that. Like, is that true? I don't know that that's necessarily true. The second week, we looked at the common rumor that God will never allow something that's too big for us to handle. Like, is that right? Because when I read the Bible, there are moments in the Bible that are intense, right? There are moments that just seem pretty overwhelming, so I'm not so sure about that one. And then last week, we looked at all the rumors involving sin and how good society is at kind of playing down the sin in our life. And we say those things like, who are you to judge me? Don't judge me. Like, my sin's not that bad. Like, it's not that big of a deal. Like, is that true? Because it seems to me that God went to great lengths to get rid of the sin in our life. So why would I want to harbor sin? Like, why would I want to keep sin in my life or downplay the effects of it? So we talked about that last week. And then today, I've saved the best for last, because this is one that we're all familiar with, and it's something that everybody struggles with, everyone struggles with this, even though a lot of Christians don't want to admit it. Here's a rumor. If you're a Christian, you're not allowed to have any doubts. Okay, you can't doubt and you can't say that you got any doubts. You can't say you got any questions. You should never admit it because if you admit it, then that means you're a bad Christian. Not long ago, I had a conversation with somebody about the doubt that they were experiencing in their walk with Christ. And you know what? When we had this conversation, it didn't freak me out at all. And I'm really kind of glad that this person was willing to talk about their skepticism. I think it's good to admit those doubts. And we'll talk more about that in a minute. But you know what? 
I began, I walked away from that thinking how many people have doubts. And, and I'll just be upfront and I'll just be honest. I, even I've had my doubts. It, I've had those times in my life when I, when I doubted God's plan, when I doubted God's goodness, when I doubted whether or not God was really in this or whether God was really with me, right? Or, or I doubted what I'm supposed to do. And, and again, I, I just want to put all of us on the same page here. And I think that we've all had those middle of the night kind of experiences where we wake up and we question, right? We got those deep questions, and we question God. Maybe some of the questions you've had about your beliefs have come in the middle of the night. Maybe they've just come this past week. Maybe you've been struggling with something. You know, maybe, maybe you've been struggling and you're praying, and you're praying about it, but you doubt that God even listens. It's like, I don't even know if he's home. I don't, I don't even know if he cares. I don't even know if he hears me. Maybe your questions have to do with whether or not you've been forgiven. Ooh, this is a big one. This is a big one. Because according to the Bible, and what we talked about last week when it comes to our sins, everybody's forgiven. Those that accept Christ into their life have been forgiven of their sins, past, present, and future. But yet, we have this residue of guilt. And we have this shame that we hold on to, and it makes us wonder sometimes, does God really love me? I wonder if it's true. Maybe you question the Bible. This happens a lot. How does a book written thousands of years ago still apply to today? Maybe you question yourself at times, and you say, you know, I think I'm a Christian, you know, but, man, I don't know, I'm not praying very well, so maybe I'm not that good of a Christian. I'm not really sure if I am a good Christian. You see, here's the truth, here's the truth. Doubt is something that's been around for centuries. It's always going to be around. Everybody struggles with it from time to time. So you know what, let's just talk about it. No topic is off limits here at the Ridge. So let me give you three main causes of doubt. If you got your message notes uh, um, on the app, go ahead and open those up. We're going to fill in some blanks, okay? So here's number one, the main causes of doubts. Let's look at these. Number one is critics. They're critics. There are a lot of challenging people around us, the ones who ridicule our faith. Then the Bible. The Bible is full of instances of people who are pretty ugly to believers. And we've all had those experiences, right? We've all been in those situations in a classroom or in a work environment or in a friend group where our faith was criticized. And our faith was challenged, and we allowed it to get to us. One of my favorite stories, I share this story all the time, and I know you've heard it before, but I remember a teacher who didn't believe in God and was very critical about people who did, and she was a teacher of an elementary class, and during free time, she just told the class just to draw pictures, just draw anything you want. And so she's walking around the room looking at the papers, and when she got to Johnny, she looked at Johnny, and she said, Johnny, who are you drawing? And Johnny answered, God. And the teacher just kind of shook her head and despairingly said, oh, Johnny, nobody's ever seen God. Even if he does exist, nobody knows what he looks like. And Johnny looked back up and they said, well, they're about to. (laughs) I love it. But critics are everywhere. They're all over the place. Even King David had to put up with them. Look at what King David writes in Psalm 73. It says this. It says, they scoff at God and they threaten his people. How proudly they speak. They boast against the heavens. They talk against God and against the heavens. And so God's people, what happens to them? They're dismayed and they're confused. And what do they do? They just drink it all in. 
And God's people say things like, does God even realize what's going on? Other translations say that these critics made everybody question, what does God know anyway? Maybe they're right. Maybe there's something to what they're saying. You know, it's, it just goes to prove that all the way back in this time, they're dealing with it, we still deal with it. Critics are everywhere. Let me give you a couple of examples of some of the things that people are criti- critical about. Critics will say that there is no God. There's no evidence of a God. But the Bible says that we are just to look at creation. Creation points to the existence of a God. Creation is overwhelming evidence that there is a divine creator. To say that all this just happened by chance is like taking apart a Rolex watch, putting all the pieces in a bag and shaking it up and then expecting just to pull the Rolex watch out fully functional. That would never happen. Okay, but yet the odds, the odds of that happening are just crazy. And it's the same thing for creation. The odds are actually greater that point to a creator, not an accident. Critics also say things like this. You've heard this all the time. They'll say, you know, I only believe in things I can understand. I need scientific proof. I need proof of it. Well, if that's the case, then you're going to have a lot of things that you doubt in life. Because there's, there's plenty in this world that I don't understand, but I believe anyway. Right? Like, I don't really know how a light bulb works. But I believe that when I flip on a switch, a light ought to come on, right? I don't don't understand how the pedals in a vehicle operate, right? But I fully believe that when I press the right one, it ought to go. And when I press the left one, it better stop, right? I don't understand how birds know when I've just washed my car. (laughs) But I fully believe that as soon as I get out of Goo Goo Car Wash, they're going to bomb it. It's like they're just waiting, (laughs) There are so many things that I don't fully understand, but I believe it anyway. And the same is true for you. Do you know, I've always said this about God. I always said that I would rather worship a God I can't understand because I need my God to be bigger than what I can understand, right? And you do too. But still, let's just be honest. We allow those critics sometimes to needle their way into our life And cause a little doubt every now and then. The second thing, the second big one causes a doubt is our conscience. And what I mean by that is that we feel guilty. Man, we feel guilty about something that we've done. We get overwhelmed by our feelings and we start to doubt God. We start to doubt his goodness or his power or even his presence. In 1 Timothy, the Apostle Paul makes this observation. He says this. He says, for some people have deliberately violated their consciences. They've done something wrong. And as a result of that sin, of what they've done wrong, their faith has been shipwrecked. And that's so true, isn't it? Sometimes there's moments in our life when we don't listen to the Holy Spirit, when we don't do what we know what God wants us to do, we do something else, right? And then we begin to wonder, once we've done something wrong, can God still love me? Right? Can God still forgive me for this? And we sit down in our guilt and we find that in that moment of feeling all that guilt and overwhelmed by it, that our faith is kind of shipwrecked through it. I can't tell you how many conversations I have with people that that go through this and they doubt God's goodness because of something they've done and they say things like, well, if if so-and-so won't forgive me or if my family won't forgive me or if they won't accept me, then why would God? 
right? I doubt Jesus will if nobody else will. When scripture clearly tells us, and we talked about this last week, if you need a refresher, go, go look at last week's um, message online. Scripture is very clear that we are loved, that we are children of God. But how often do we allow our conscience to get in the way, our feelings to get, we're going to talk more about the feelings in just a minute, but, but those feelings of guilt, man, they just, they just sit with us for so long that we, it causes us just to doubt God's goodness. And then the third one is the biggest one of all, circumstances. The circumstances. This is the number one reason people have doubt. When prayers go unanswered, when tragedy strikes, when we're faced with an overwhelming situation, you know, we just let doubt kind of creep in. And some of y'all remember, the best story of this is the story of the disciples in the boat. Y'all remember this? Man, they're in the middle of this huge storm. And Jesus falls asleep. Jesus is sleeping like a baby. And the disciples are scared to death. And so the disciples run over to Jesus sleeping in the boat. And they wake him up. And they ask him pretty bluntly. They say, teacher, Jesus, don't you care that we're going to drown? And isn't that the typical reaction we have when things pop up in our life, right? When we're under pressure, when things get to be too much, when we don't see a way out, we look up to God, we look up to heavens, and we say, don't you care? Like, where are you right now? Why are you sleeping through this? Like, I don't know if you're aware of this, God, or not, but this is kind of a big deal. And we start doubting whether God is real or if he cares at all. And of course, you know the rest of the story with the disciples, but Jesus wakes up and he stands up in the boat and he just, he looks at the wind and the waves and he just says, cut it out. (laughs) And it all stops. And it becomes so smooth you could skip a stone on it. And then he looks back at the disciples and he says this, where is your faith? Why did you doubt? Seriously, like I wonder what it was about that storm that made them think that that storm was bigger than Jesus. It must have been a big one. And let me ask you this morning, maybe you're going through a circumstance. What is it about that circumstance, that situation that makes you think that it's bigger than Jesus? Because it's not. But that's what happens, right? Right? And we get sucked into it and we allow those circumstances to cause doubt and to question. And we allow it to eat away at our faith. So there's three main things. Critical people, our conscience, our circumstances. Man, they all play a part in the doubt that we feel. And there's other things that we could talk about, but we'll leave it there for right now. So so now that we're all on the same page with this, and we all know that doubts can creep in. This is something that everybody struggles with from time to time. How do you overcome those doubts? Like, what can we do as we leave today? let, let Let me let you leave with a couple of things that will help you work on those areas where your faith needs to build a little bit. So here's what you do. Number one, overcoming doubt, admit it. You got to admit your doubt. It's okay. Listen, I want you to know it's okay to be honest about what you're feeling and the questions you have. I I would venture to say that you can't get past the questions until you ask them, until you get it out of your system. And, And the reason that this is such an important part. And the reason we start this off with number one is because, honestly, it's Christian taboo to admit your, that, that you have a doubt, right? 
Because we start saying things like, you know, if I've got doubts or I've got questions, we, we, we look at ourselves and we're like, man, I can't be a good Christian. Like, I can't let anybody know this. They won't understand. They, they won't love me or God won't love me if I have these doubts. And meanwhile, meanwhile, let's be honest, you may have a legitimate question. Like, this may be something real. Like, it's something that needs to be answered or something that needs to be worked through. So before we get too hard on ourselves for having questions, let me give you a few pieces of scripture. When people were willing to admit their doubt and how Jesus dealt with them, and this may surprise some of you, we're going to start off with two very famous stories in the Bible, both of which you're familiar with. One of them was John the Baptist. John the Baptist was huge. Everybody in here knows him. Even if you haven't read the Bible, you've heard of him. John the Baptist was the one that baptized Jesus. John the Baptist, he was the one that heard God's voice from the heavens. He saw the dove descend. Even He believed in Jesus so much that he even told his followers, this is the guy I'm talking about. Why are you still with me? Y'all go follow him. He was sending people to Jesus. But then, but then everything took a nasty turn when Herod throws him in jail. And while John is sitting in jail... He keeps hearing of all the things that Jesus is doing. But meanwhile, he's wondering if this Jesus is legit, like if this is the real Messiah, if he's really doing all these things, then why am I in here? So John sends a few of his friends to ask Jesus a question. Here's the question that comes from John. He says, are you the Messiah? Let that sink in. This is John the Baptist. This is a huge doubt. This is a huge question. Are you the Messiah that we've been expecting? Or, or should I just keep looking for somebody else? This is a huge example of how we allow those circumstances sometimes to needle their way in and cause doubt, right? Because if you are the Messiah, then why am I here? Like, I'm hearing of you healing people and all these great things. Why don't you just snap your fingers and get me out of here? And if not, maybe I should be looking for somebody else that can. So the big question is, here we got John the Baptist sitting in jail and he's doubting and he's questioning Jesus. He's even sending people to question Jesus. In front, we're going to find, this question comes in front of other people. So imagine Jesus' response when he gets a question from, from the John the Baptist questioning who he is in front of everybody. Like how does Jesus react to this? That's my question. You know this story, but how does Jesus react to it? Does he get mad? Does he get upset? No. He actually sends people back to John to reassure him and to remind him of all the great things that God is doing. And once John's disciples turn and head back to John, Jesus turns to the crowd and he says this about John. This is after the question, after the doubt. I tell you the truth, of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist. How great is that? That's amazing. He doesn't turn around to the crowd and say, y'all don't be like John. Okay, don't, don't do what John is doing. John, that, that's a terrible example for you right now. Not at all. He loves John. Even in the middle of that moment, even in the middle of that question. Another great example that you're familiar with is Thomas. In fact, Thomas is so you know, famous for this that we've nicknamed him Doubting Thomas. And you're familiar with the story. 
But Thomas wasn't with the disciples when they first met Jesus. And so Thomas is the one that said, you know what, I'm not going to believe. I'm not going to believe that he's resurrected from the grave until I can put my hand in the holes in his hand, until I can put my hand in, in, in the scar in his side where the sword was thrust in. He said, if I'm able to do those things and I see Jesus with my own eyes, then, then I'll believe. So when Jesus shows up, what does he do? In John 20, Jesus appears to the group and he walks right up to Thomas. And it's so great. I bet everybody was looking around the room going, this is going to be awkward. But he walks right up to Thomas. And he holds out his hands. And he allows him to feel where they put the nails in. He, he allows him to put his hand in his side. And he opens his arms to him. And he loves him. And Thomas believes. The point I'm trying to make with these stories is that not even your doubts, not even your questions will stop God from loving you. Even in those moments that you question and that you wonder, when we all do, God still loves you. You see, I think where we get a little hung up is that we get a little blurred between unbelief and doubt. We, we don't really... We get confused between this. You know, doubt is when we're just merely saying, you know, I don't understand. I don't understand what God's doing. I don't understand what's going on. I don't understand what God wants or if he's going to help me. I just don't understand. Unbelief is different. Unbelief is when we know exactly what God wants and we choose not to believe it or we choose to do something else. When we know exactly who God is, but we choose to believe in something or someone else. That's, that's not doubting, that's just unbelief. That's believing in something different. But when it comes to that doubt, when it comes to those moments where we question, where we don't understand, I think that our strongest faith comes out of those moments of doubt. I think it's good when we admit those questions. I've had those, I've had those moments. Man, I grew up as a preacher's kid. I've heard this my whole life, and I've just believed what I've believed because I was taught you need to believe it, right? But when I was in my 20s, and I was married, and I was having kids, and I was like, you know what? I really need to understand why I believe what I believe, and so I started questioning things. And that questioning was good, because it helped me develop my faith and my faith became stronger because of it. Because I was able to work through those things with God and with the church. And this is how it worked in the Bible. David questioned God at times in the Psalms. Job wondered if God really loved him in the middle of everything that was going on. He had to have friends sit around and sort of talk things out. of Abraham and Sarah... Abraham and Sarah wanted a child their whole lives and couldn't have one. And then finally, when God said they were going to have one, they were 90 years old. And you know what they did? They laughed. They doubted. They laughed. And you know what? You would have to imagine being in your 90s and God saying, you're going to have a child. I'd be like, good one, God. <laughs> you got me. <laughs> it was such a thing for them that they named Isaac. The name Isaac means laughter. Because they laughed. Yeah, they kind of they questioned it. But in each one of those situations, even though they doubted, 
all of those people in the Bible, they admitted it. They let it out. They allowed God to work, and they became stronger through it. So, so the first thing we've got to do is just be honest. Just admit it and remember, remember, remember. God still loves you no matter what. And then the second thing we've got to do is we've got to doubt the doubt. We've got to doubt the doubt. Okay, let, let me take you to another story in the Bible. Okay, the final chapter in the book of Matthew, after the resurrection, Jesus is meeting with the disciples. We, we talked about this in, in our men's Bible study in the very first chapter of Acts. We, we read about this story also. But, but Jesus meets with the disciples one last time before he rises into the heavens. And when he's gathered, we have the resurrected Jesus here teaching one more time to the disciples. And it says this in Matthew 28, 17. It says, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some of them doubted. What did they doubt? Jesus is right in front of them. Matthew doesn't really tell us, but I'm sure it was a mixture of things, right? I'm sure that they were all hung up on their feelings and emotions because they had just been through so much, right? And all of it was confusing. And even though we don't know what they doubted, we do know a few things. We know that Jesus doesn't get on to them. And we know also that Jesus doesn't give them any easy answers either. But what we do know is that Jesus went to them. And Jesus was with them. He met them right where they were. And he gives them an assignment. And he says, now I want you to go. I want you to go and make disciples. And I wonder if these guys had to walk away from that experience doubting their doubts and choosing to believe what they believed about Jesus. And the reason I say that is because most of them would end up being martyred for their faith. Somehow, they moved past that doubt and stood firm in the belief that they had. Now, now it's kind of interesting because sometimes when we have questions about our faith, we do the exact opposite. We start to doubt what we believe and we believe what we doubt. And that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. We get it backwards. We need to believe our beliefs and doubt our doubts. That's the key. Another well-known piece of scripture that I love comes from Proverbs 3, 5. This is from Solomon, the wisest man that ever lives. He says this. He gives us this little nugget. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. I love this. Other translations put it this way. Never rely on what you think. Another translation says it this way. Trust the Lord completely. Don't ever trust yourself. <laughs> Which I love. We got to be careful because, man, we, we, start, we start to believe our doubts sometimes because our feelings just get in the way. And we start to feel like we know all and that we know more than God. And we, we trust those feelings too much sometimes. Let me ask you, who do you listen to the most? Like when you've got a question, when you're struggling with something, do you first turn to God's word or, or, or do you turn to yourself? And what you think. And what you feel. And I say this with all the love of my heart, but who do you think you are? Right? We don't know everything. Why would I just rely on my feelings and what I think I know? And by the way, most of the times our feelings are wrong. 
We don't always have, when we're going through emotional spells, when, when things are going outrageous, I mean, the disciples in the boat, their feelings got the most of them. The, the same things happen to us, and we start to believe those feelings over God, and we start to question him. How many times have we said, I don't feel like God knows, I don't feel like God is here, I don't feel like God cares? I would venture to say that a lot of times we know what it's like to have our feelings lead us in the wrong direction. Yeah, I've learned, I've learned to work through this in my own life. I generally have a 24-hour rule before I make any big decision to make sure I get the feelings out of the way so that I can you know, firmly concentrate on what God wants me to do so that I'm making a, a good decision. And we have to be careful sometimes. You know, when it comes to the goodness and the power and the presence of God, we've we got to doubt our doubts. And we've we got to believe what we believe about God. And then the third thing we got to do, and this is so important, is we got to build on the faith that we have. You got to build on the faith that you have. And it might not feel like much at the time, but you begin with what you already have and you build on it. There, there's a great story in Mark chapter 9 of a boy that needed to be healed. He was overcome by the, this evil spirit that would just throw him into seizures and would lock his body up. And the, and the father is just at his wit's end. He doesn't know what to do. So he comes to Jesus and he says, listen, my, my son is just seized up at times and he falls down. And sometimes even when he's by a fire or when he's by water, it'll happen and his body will just fall in. And he's like, I don't know what to do. And he's begging Jesus. He says, I, I, will you heal him? I'm bringing him to you. To heal them, if you can. And Jesus looks at the Father and he says this. He says, what do you mean, if I can? Jesus asked. He says, anything is possible if a person believes. And the Father instantly cried out. And this is so great here, y'all. He says, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. And the reason that's so good is because that's how we feel sometimes, right? We're, we're, we're filled sometimes with both belief and unbelief at the same time. And you know what? We, we can have faith that God wants us to do something and yet be scared to death of it at the same time. Courage, courage isn't the absence of fear. Courage is when you move ahead in spite of the fear, right? And the Father is such a great example of having both faith and a little bit of doubt. But he was honest about it. And here's what he did. He went to Jesus with the faith he had. He didn't feel like it was much. But he took what he had to Jesus. And Jesus still worked a miracle. And Jesus healed his son. Listen, don't underestimate what a little faith can do. It's enough to get you through. In fact, what we learn in Scripture, what the Bible teaches us, is that it actually doesn't take a whole lot of faith. Jesus tells us this in Matthew 17. He says, I'll tell you the truth. If you have faith even as small as a mustard seed, just a little mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it'll move and nothing will be impossible. I love this verse. But you know what we do? You know what we do in our doubt? We get this backwards. When things get overwhelming and we start to question God, well, we believe the exact opposite. We believe that I've got to ma have a mountain's worth of faith in order for God to work. And that's not what Scripture says. Scripture says, no, 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 just a, a little bit of faith. Here's the equation. It's a little bit of faith plus a big God equals great things. Just a little bit of faith. Just a mustard seed amount. 
And you put what you have, you bring what you have to Jesus and see what he does. Just like that father, I have faith, but help my unbelief. I believe, but help me with my unbelief. I'm going to bring what I have and see what you can do. I like J.C. Ryle puts it this way. He says, doubting doesn't prove that a man has no faith, just that his faith is small. And even when our faith is small, the Lord is ready to help. Take what you got. Build on it. Give it to Jesus. See what he can do. So you know what? That rumor that you can't be a Christian and have doubts, it's not true. I would venture to say there are people in here this morning. I'd venture to say there are some people watching online. You got a couple of questions. Some of you have some big questions. Some of you are struggling with God's love and you're wondering if God loved you. Why why did he allow this or that to happen? Some of you are doubting God's care and if God really cared, why is he allowing these things to happen? Why is he allowing the world to be like this? Why doesn't God do something? Some of you are doubting God's power. You're stuck financially. You've got an illness. Your family's falling apart. You need his power, and you're wondering where it is. Some of you are doubting his forgiveness. You've done something, and your guilt won't let you move past it. And if my family won't forgive me, why would God love me? And some of you are doubting his faithfulness, and you're wondering what's going to happen. I don't understand what's ahead and why this is that. Is, and I don't know what's coming next, and I doubt God's even got a plan for me. We all have those questions at times. So take them to God. Admit it. Doubt your doubt. And build on the faith that you have. You know, the best part about that story dealing with doubting Thomas is that Jesus came to him. Even in his doubt, Jesus came to him. And that personal encounter with Jesus changed everything. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, the same can be said for you. Just take a little bit of faith. Take it to Jesus. Experience that personal encounter. And it changes things. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for your love. God, I thank you for the love that stays with us. Even when we sometimes wonder where you are, God, your love that pursues us, even when we try to run away from you, your love that that comforts us when when we question everything in life, your love that, that, that sticks with us even in those moments of doubt. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us like you do. And God, I just pray for everybody this morning in this room, worshiping online, that might have a little doubt when it comes to prayer, when it comes to your power, when it comes to forgiveness, when it comes to your faithfulness. God, I just pray that we would admit those places that bother us. And God, that we would be willing to bring that to you. That we would lay those concerns at your feet. God, that we would draw near to you and closer to your presence. Jesus, would you just, would you take the faith that we have? God, take the faith that we have right now. 
because we know it only takes a small amount of faith. God, our small amount of faith plus a big God equals great things, and that's what we want. So Jesus, we love you for loving us. And we thank you for your death and resurrection that provides forgiveness from our sins, that provides an everlasting life. God, we thank you for being with us this morning. And Jesus, we pray that you would be with these tithes and offerings, God, and that you would use them to benefit your kingdom. It's in the name of Jesus we pray all these things. Amen and amen.